I read a quote the other day, uh, the kind of random quote that people post online. It said, peace comes from within. Do not seek it without. Kind of sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Kind of warm and fuzzy and cozy. But is it true? I mean, is that your experience? If you're anything like me, it's not as straightforward as that. I think it's fair to say for most of us that uh, you know, there are times when we feel this inner peace and there are other times when we don't. And to be honest, our environment has a big part to play in that. If we're relaxing on the beach on holiday, then it's easy to feel peaceful. If we're under the pump at work with a nightmare of a boss breathing down our neck, then it's not so easy. Uh, we can't just produce this inner peace out of nowhere. I think we all desire peace, but in reality, it can be quite elusive. Well, in a way, today's passage is all about peace. It's about the source of true peace entering the world. Jesus is, of course, the Prince of Peace. And the Bible makes it clear that only Jesus can bring true and lasting peace to our lives and to the world. That is to say, we need to look beyond ourselves and beyond the material world to the God of the universe, the God who humbled himself and entered into creation as a defenseless, vulnerable human child. God gave himself to humanity. God gave us Jesus. And Jesus is the only one who can bring true peace. Of all the gifts we could receive this Christmas, what could be more valuable than peace? Lasting peace. But often the world doesn't see it that way. Uh, the, the world works on the assumption that the most valuable things are the things that cost the most money. I read an article the other day. It was, it's titled, The Most Expensive Gifts That Money Can Buy. And it began like this. It said, Christmas is a holiday centered around spending time with family, reflecting on the past year, and celebrating life and love. But more importantly... It's about buying stuff. Now, that short paragraph is just wrong on so many levels. I'm not even going to go there, but it goes on to list the kind of things uh, that uh, you could buy. 24-carat gold shoelaces at $19,000. If you're a cheapskate, you can get the silver ones for $3,000. <laughs> a linen set. And it's a very nice linen set, uh, duvet covers and sheets and uh, towels and napkins and tablecloths. It would set you back $55,000. But it does come pressed, so you can save yourself a couple of hours ironing. Dolce & Gabbana diamond-studded sunglasses, a mere $383,609. House, sunglasses. House, it's a tough one. And finally, my personal favorite, a gold-plated vacuum cleaner at $999,999, reduced from $1 million. It, That thing must weigh a ton. You get a proper workout pushing that around. So if you've, got the, if you've got the money, you can buy any of those things this Christmas, or you can have peace everlasting peace, and it won't cost you a penny. The Prince of Peace has entered into creation. 
And so it's interesting that chapter 2 begins by introducing a character who was credited with bringing peace to the whole world. Not Jesus, but Augustus Caesar. Seems strange to say it, but at this point in history, the Roman Empire was at peace with all the world. And Augustus Caesar, who had turned the Republic into an empire, had set himself up as a self-proclaimed son of God. In fact, people were so impressed that he brought this, uh, brought this so-called peace that they referred to him as the saviour of the world and they worshipped him as a god. Does it ring any bells? Son of God? Saviour of the world? Isn't it interesting that Jesus should be born in a far-flung corner of this empire under this emperor? But the angels sang of something far more real and enduring than this temporary lull in hostilities. Roman peace didn't last, and it wasn't real peace anyway. It was achieved through corruption and bloodshed. It was maintained by violence, and it did nothing to bring peace to people's hearts. It was made, it, 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 people were just as quarrelsome and hateful and vindictive as before. And it did nothing to bring peace between human beings and God. It would seem that sinful human beings are incapable of perpetual peace. Now, we're a couple of weeks into the school holidays, and if you are the parent of siblings, this sad truth has probably already dawned on you. If we are looking to ourselves and the world for peace, we simply won't find it. Caesar was considered the most important and powerful person in the world, and yet he couldn't deliver anything that even resembled true peace. But in God's plan, Caesar's role wasn't to bring peace. Caesar's role was to call a census. And the reason for that census in God's sovereign plan was so that a peasant girl from Nazareth would travel to Bethlehem to give birth to her son. And that's what happened. Caesar called a census to calculate uh, how much tax he could collect from all the regions of his empire. If you're going to collect tax, you need to know how many people you're collecting that tax from. Uh, And so everyone had to return to their place of birth to register. So Mary, who was engaged to be married to Joseph, traveled with him to his hometown of Bethlehem. It was a journey of about 100 miles. They may have had a donkey. They may not have. The Bible doesn't actually tell us. We tend to assume that Mary gave birth uh, soon after arriving uh, in Bethlehem. And if that was the case, it's hard to imagine that she could make such a long journey on foot so heavily pregnant. But again, the Bible doesn't tell us this. They could have stayed in Bethlehem for quite some time before Jesus was born. Ah, I hear you say. Surely if they got there so far in advance, they'd have had time to get a decent hotel room. They must have arrived at the last minute. But remember that Joseph was from Bethlehem. He almost certainly had relatives there. And the word that's often translated in is actually better translated guest room. So where it says there was no room in the inn, actually better to say there was no room in the guest room. So it's likely that Mary and Joseph were staying with relatives 
And because there was no room in the upstairs part of the house, and in, in, in uh, first century Palestine, people would have lived in the upper part of the house, uh, they had to lodge in the lower part of the house, uh, an area uh, that would be used for all sorts of things. Uh, sometimes animals would be brought in, particularly in the winter, hence there's a manger, a feeding trough. Uh, it would be used as an area to store things. And in the absence of any other option, it could be used to lodge guests. So uh, Mary may have walked to Bethlehem, or she may have sat on a donkey, or she may have sat in the back of a cart with a larger group of people. We don't know. Mary may have given birth soon after arriving in Bethlehem, or she may have been there for weeks or even months beforehand. We don't know. Uh, And what we think of as a stable is much more likely to have been the lower part of a house, more than likely uh, relatives of Joseph. But none of this detracts from the story of the nativity because none of that, none of that is in the story in the first place. We've superimposed all that over the top of the text. However, it is important. It is important that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Uh, this is where Ruth gathered grain at the side of the fields and met her future husband, Boaz, if you've uh, read that beautiful story in the Old Testament in the book of Ruth. It's where King David's father, Jesse, lived with his seven sons. It's where David learned to sling his stones and sing his psalms when he was a young shepherd boy. And it's a place that God spoke of through the prophet Micah when he said, But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Just so happens that the girl that God chose to be Jesus' mother didn't come from Bethlehem. She came from Nazareth. And so God placed it on an emperor's heart to call a census of the entire known world to move this peasant girl from Nazareth to Bethlehem so that she could give birth to the only one who can and will bring lasting peace to the whole earth. Isn't it amazing the way that God works? And when he was born, she wrapped him in cloths and lay him in a manger. The most humble beginnings for our most glorious God made man. And isn't it fitting that it should be a group of shepherds who are the first to hear this wonderful news. Shepherds were treated with the utmost suspicion. They weren't trusted. Uh, They weren't allowed to give evidence in a court of law. Because of their vocation, they were always out in the fields, up in the hills. They couldn't get to the temple for worship. They couldn't get to the synagogue. Uh, They were cut off from the religious life of the community. They were effectively ostracized from the community. But God chose them to be the first to hear of Jesus' arrival. Already, Mary's song is being fulfilled. Do you remember that from Sunday? He has brought down rulers from their thrones, people like King Herod, who didn't get a look in, but has lifted up the humble, these scruffy shepherds on the hillside. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. God's upside-down, back-to-front kingdom has arrived. A kingdom that runs contrary to the world's notions of power and greatness and importance. 
So the angel appears to this group of shepherds on the hillside and they are terrified as anybody would be. You know, as sinful human beings, deep down we know that we're out of sorts with God. We, 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 we're not at peace with God. And so we fear that any message that comes from God, the Holy One, will be a message of condemnation and punishment. Of course, that all changes when we put our faith in Jesus. Jesus brings us peace with God. But at this stage, the shepherds know nothing of Jesus. Sin gives us a guilty conscience. We've all got a guilty conscience. You know, when you're driving along and uh, all of a sudden you realize that there's a police car driving immediately behind you. And you think, oh, there's a police car behind me. Better make sure I'm driving carefully. And if that police car is still there after about a minute, you start to feel quite worried. And you think, what have I done? And you start to feel very guilty. Well, that's false guilt. Unless, of course, you have committed an offense. But generally, in life, we know deep down that we're in the wrong, don't we? We know that the stuff that we've thought and said and done that violates God's perfect, holy law. And the shepherds felt that way, which is why they're terrified that God is speaking to them through his messenger, the angel. But instead of delivering a message of condemnation, the angel says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So instead of something terrible happening, these shepherds receive the best of news. There's a little town called Lilburn in Georgia, USA. And a couple of years back, a secret Santa made a huge donation of thousands of dollars to the police department. And this secret Santa stipulated that the police should give out $100 bills to pretty much everyone until all the money had run out. And you can see footage of this. Uh, the police pulling people over. And you can see people, you see what they're thinking. Oh no, it's nearly Christmas. I really can do without a ticket. This is the pits. Uh, but instead of getting a ticket, they're handed $100. And they're amazed, confused, and overjoyed all at the same time. And that's a bit like the shepherds. They were terrified perhaps bracing themselves for something terrible. And then they receive this most wonderful news. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. We make a lot of the manger. And the manger is important. Luke mentions it three times. And yes, it does speak to us of God's humility and his willingness to enter into the mess and the muddle of human life. But the manger is just a sign, a sign to show the shepherds that they have found the right child. The child who is the Messiah, the Lord, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And then there's this huge number of angels praising God and singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And here we have the crux of the matter. The whole point of God becoming man, the whole point of the incarnation is that God, God will be glorified and human beings will be given peace. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those 
on whom his favour rests. So our praises go up to God. We glorify God and his peace comes down to us. But who are these people on whom God's favour rests? You might be thinking, does God's favour rest on me? Am I included in this promise? Can I know this peace? The answer is yes, you are included. Yes, you can and will know this peace, providing you receive the Prince of Peace. You receive Jesus into your lives. We receive Christ and we receive peace. God's purpose is to give you and me peace by being the most glorious person in your life and in my life. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know all that stuff in our life that makes us feel guilty, what the Bible calls sin? Well, Jesus took all that upon himself. He absorbed it as he hung upon the cross. And because Jesus has done that for us, if we put our faith in him, we will be justified. In other words, our guilt is removed. If we've been justified, God chooses not to see any of our sin. We stand blameless before God. We are at peace with God. That is the meaning of the angel's chorus, and it really is the most wonderful news. The shepherds were excited by it. And they immediately went off to find Jesus. They were seeking him. Are we excited by this news? Are we seeking Jesus this Christmas? When the shepherds told Mary all that had happened, Luke tells us she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. This is a detail that could only have come from Mary herself. I I love to think of Luke sitting down with Mary And asking her, saying, well, what was it like that night when Jesus was born? What happened? And Mary telling him, and he wrote it down. That's what we're we're reading. And again, we too should treasure these things and ponder them in our hearts. Christmas is a wonderful time to take stock of what all this means. And if you question whether you have ever truly invited Christ into your life, you can do that today. You can do that today, Christmas Day 2018. Seek Christ, invite him into your life. Uh, Feel free to talk to me about that after the service or, or the prayer team is there. Finally, uh, the shepherds were so eager to tell people about Jesus. They went off glorifying God and telling anyone who would listen what had happened. Uh, These scruffy shepherds were the very first evangelists proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us go from here eager to tell people the good news, the good news that we can find true and lasting peace, not by looking within ourselves, not by relying on the world's structures or systems or leaders, but by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. The same Jesus that the shepherds found lying in a manger in Bethlehem more than 2,000 years ago. Jesus will be our peace by being our God. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the amazing event that we've been reading about and hearing about and singing about this morning. And we pray that the truth of this will really penetrate our hearts and minds, that we can grasp the magnitude of what it is that we're talking about. Father, we do desire peace, peace in our lives, peace in this world. And we pray that we will search for that peace only in you and that we will find that peace in you. We thank you for all that you offer us. And we pray that we'll receive the gift that you give us, the gift of Jesus, with open hands and open hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.